Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's installment of Beyond Governance here at 101.9 High FM. My name is Nimrod Upambele. Uh, we literally left with four months before the year ends, and sadly, the overwhelming majority of businesses are still in distress uh, thanks to COVID-19 pandemic, uh, low shedding, which has eroded prospects of recovery, even among the most resilient sectors such as finance. Uh, having said that, failure is not an option. As entrepreneurs, our economic salvation come entrusted with politicians for they have, for they are inherently self-serving. Once again, thank you for tuning in as we celebrate Women's Month. We are now accustomed to the celebration of heroic deeds of women who marched to union building to petition against the country's past laws that required black people to carry passes. It is unthinkable that at some point in history, the architect of apartheid, which the UN declared it a crime against humanity, were, you know, so it fit in their wisdom to maintain or they were actually hell-bent to maintain population segregation and control of, of, of urbanization. How sick is that, if you ask me? We are now dealing with the residues which manifest in chronic poverty, which disproportionately affect majority of black people. In this country, poverty has, has a face. It has got a black face. It's got a gender face. So these are some of the residues of apartheid that we have to deal with. And as we celebrate Women's Month, there's very little to celebrate. Given the high unemployment rate, we're sitting at about 40% of unemployment rate. When you look at the stats of the World Bank and IMF, as well as Treasury, they sort of water down our trajectory, even though it's positive in the sense that we move from 0.1% to 0.3%. We're still stagnant as an economy. We're not moving. Even though these issues coincide with Women's Month, there's very little to celebrate. Hence, I often say the our salvation as entrepreneurs is to soldier on and make it happen. And anyway, if you miss any of our show, not to worry, simply visit our website, which is www.5fm.com and select your favorite podcast. In my last encounter, I had a privilege of interviewing a lady called Dr. Nandi Madiba, who is a corporate governance practitioner. Her insights and understanding of corporate governance issues was so refreshing and, and illuminating especially when she spoke about three lines of defense, which guides effective risk management and governance. I implore you to go to our website, check it out, and let me know what you think. And, of course, your views and thoughts are most welcome via our SMS line, which is 34519. And, of course, your views and thoughts are most welcome via my Twitter handle, which is at Dr. Mbele. It's an arm before we start any engagement to dispense with ways of gratitude to my colleagues, Vosima Singer, and uh, Harry Seleke, or Seleke, to be more precise. Uh, thank you guys for helping to navigate the show seamlessly and beautifully as you do all the time. Before I engage my esteemed guest on this glorious day, let me weigh in on the verdict which was passed by an ARO committee, which found that um, 
the current uh, public protector, Mr. Kabane, was found guilty of incompetence and misconduct and therefore un- unfit to hold office. It was on Sunday, for those who may recall, that um, the committee voted of the charges faced by Mukabane on, uh, that largely endorsed the earlier findings of an independent panel, which was led by the constitutional court judge, Bess Mukabinde, that equally found that uh, there was a prima facie evidence of incompetence and misconduct on her part. Meanwhile, we've heard that the process of replacing uh, the current public profile is underway. Apparently, about eight candidates that have been shortlisted with a view to uh, have their interviews done and dusted by end of October. When you do a summation of what has prevailed thus far, it is evident that the successor of the current public protector will have his or her job cut out for, purely because, you know, there's a plethora of vested interest in that particular office, which means you need to really develop thick skin to overcome a whole lot of issues, media, political parties, and so on and so forth. So, but be that as it may, the issue where I wanted to reflect is the extent to which there has been a staggering perception around legal cost, which the current public protector um, um, is allegedly to have spent. If my figure says me well, the incumbent is alleged to have spent about 147 million rands uh, in legal fees. In some quarters, this figure is perceived to be reckless, as the allegation is that she has been fighting all manner of issues, including employment of spin doctors to generate articles attacking judges who rule against them were made as part of the legal budget. If this story holds, my view is that there's serious ramification for social justice. For social justice to prevail, we have to pursue undisturbed, unperturbed route to ensure that you and I, as ordinary South Africans, feel protected by this particular institution. That plays such a critical role in mitigating or perhaps maybe sustaining the, 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 the democratic agenda. Without social justice, which this particular institution has been mandated to do, the whole idea of democracy is going to flounder. We've got expectation now that the Zonda Commission into state capture, the findings that certain actions are going to be done. What I've also picked up is that part of the ramification that is likely to happen, you know, into whoever's going to assume that particular position is that the, the Auditor General in this country would have no, would have, would have every reason to begin to investigate the legal cost for the current public protector have set a, an unsavory, if you like, um, precedent. So I'm not a lawyer by profession. What quacks like a duck? It is a duck. So the legal gurus will obviously look at these kind of issues and make a determination on extent, on the worthiness of those kinds of legal costs. And, but most importantly, if those legal costs have merit, it's okay. But if these costs are flavorous, there has to be a point in this country that office bearers can't dispense with flavorous cases at the expense of you and I. Fortunately, we've got a precedent in this country. When you look at what has happened with the former CEO of uh, SABC, at some point he was ordered to pay back uh, close to a million rents on legal fees, which he reclaimed. So these are kind of issues that gives a bit of a positive posture for us as ordinary South Africans in that there seems to be justice. You can't have executives uh, who are found wanting because the money that have been spent don't come from their own pocket, and you can be as abusive as that. In a state-owned entities, we've got 
uh, we can go on record that there are a number of executives that have been suspended for years and been paid full. You know, you can imagine if it was your money, you, know, you have to employ a consultant to service while the incumbent are still sitting at home. So you begin to see that there's a lot of fruitless and wasteful expenditure that we as a country need to attend to. But on a much lighter and brighter note, I am honored and privileged, you know, to be joined by the one and only Sipo Hotstick Mabuse. Starting waste of time, uh, Abuti, welcome to Beyond Governance and thank you very much for gracing us with your presence. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And yeah, I'm always looking forward to talking about issues that are relevant, issues that are pertinent to our society and uh, your opening remarks have been quite uh, telling and hopefully one would be in a better position to have a better understanding as we continue with our conversation. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that, Brasipo. Uh, I suppose in, in setting the scene, I, I, I have to put it on record that I met James Mwobo two days ago and he was telling me about this there's this beautiful piece that you are putting together to celebrate uh, one of our own legend, Baptim Langen. How James, James is a very interesting figure. He's very articulate and he oozes with confidence. And I said, okay, I have to interview Brastix. I really have to. That for me, I mean, that, that was like an aha moment. The fact that we're sitting here talking about these issues, celebrating one of our own coming from a duly noted multiple awarding winner uh, such as yourself can only be an honor. But personally, as we, you know, just before you proceed uh, on that particular note, let's uh, take a break and come back in a second to get more and more insights of, of Baptim Langen or the kinds of activities which Prasipo and the other colleagues are embarking on to celebrate the legacies of Baptim Langen. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. Uh, this is Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Kimbele. I'm joined by esteemed uh, social artist guru, if you like, uh, by the name of Sipo Hostik Mabuse. Um, before we went to that particular break, um, I sort of painted a picture in the kind of work that uh, Brasipo is currently doing to celebrate uh, one of our own, Babsum Langen, because my view and the view of the collective, I would imagine, is that we need to celebrate people like Sipo, people like Babsum Langen, while they're still alive, for they are going to benefit and really get the, the warmth and love display. But personally, my first question is, how did you meet Babsum Langen? Well, firstly, like I said, uh, Nimrod, thank you for inviting me. I had met Babsi when I was a very young lad. I was at primary school. Well, maybe I shouldn't even not even say I met him. He, they came to school. They were, you know, a a group of blind musicians who used to tour out high schools and schools and so on. And the impression that I got from the first performance that I saw of the all-rounders, they were called, 
which included, amongst others, John Mutuping from Dadum uh, Mutuping's son, who was also John was also a brilliant blind pianist, and then there was and the singer too, and then there was uh, Bracoloi Lebona, a fantastic guitarist producer, and then uh, there was Archie, another singer, and. Uh, and so forth. There were quite a few other names which I had just forgotten. But those that I mentioned were, you know, remaining indelible in, in my mind because they were in the forefront of creating this great music from a, a band called. And of course, along the way, I think they split and, uh, but I remained with the all-rounders, which then at that time involved Koloi Libona, Matabata Sikhwale, uh, Clive Mapai and Mickey Lebona, uh, who was a drummer. And some of these, the three are, and most out. The three of, the six musicians that I've, I've mentioned, three of them were, were sighted, full sighted, and three of them were blind musicians. And then of course, the three other musicians left the country to go and, and join uh, the liberation struggle. That was Mickey and Matabata Sukhwale. And the Clive Mapai. And Brabapsi and Brakuloi remained in the country. And Brabapsi would become a, a producer of note. Discovering some of the great talent alongside people like Brenda Farsi, Jonathan Butler and so. But then coming to Brabapsi, Brabapsi became on his own a solo artist outside the all-rounders. And uh, because I lived in Orlando West, and he lived in Dubai, which was about uh, probably just a kilometer away from my home. The fascination of having seen him perform as a young person remained indelible in me. And I would go to his house to meet, and that was the first time I met Prabhupada And I created our relationship then onwards. Interesting. How old were you, then? I was about... What? I was 14, 13, 14. My goodness, that's, yeah. that's, that's been a while. Yeah. Interesting. But I just want to, you know, pay piggyback on one of the issues that you've cited. One, uh, the All Runners, this was the, the band, the band which band. comprised of sighted and, and unsighted, sighted, unsighted individuals. Yes. And this, obviously, collaboration of visually impaired and visually fortunate, if there's anything like that. Yes. So, you know, just that orchestration. What goes into mind? Because obviously there has to be some form of communication. I suppose music transcends whether people can see or can't see. Yes. In your mind, as you look at that kind of configuration, how would you unpack it? The all-rounders were actually led by totally enable and able uh, guitarist mm. who was blind. Mm. But he was so able, you know, mm. uh, that uh, he led and composed most of the music of the all-rounders. Mm. Between him and Brabapsi, mm. they were the composers of the music of the all-rounders. Absolutely. And of course, Brabapsi was a great singer. You know, the most interesting thing about the all-rounders is that all of them could sing. They could all sing from the drama to the, to Brabapsi as a lead singer. And I suppose the title says it on all-rounders. They were all-rounders most definitely. And, uh, with all the others having left the country and, and Brakoloi and Brabapsi having remained behind, then it was left up to the two to either uh, make a decision whether they're continuing with making the music. And of course, making music was the only thing that they, you know, they could excel in and make. I don't need to tell you how many gold records Prabhupada has had in his lifetime. Mm -hmm. Everything that he touched and sang on 
was a masterpiece, such that just like un, unlike just uh, uh, Ray Charles' influence on Stevie Wonder, Rob Bubsy had a similar influence on people like Steve Gekana. So you can imagine the ability as a blind singer, blind composer, being able to influence another, most of the other blind singers in the country and such that they become the excellent musicians themselves. I couldn't agree with you more for a simple reason. You know, typically when I have this kind of conversation, I often look for a quotation that is, is, is inspirational. And I came across this one by, um, by Esther Seal, and it goes as follows. Um, I often look at powerful, I mean, I mean, it goes as follows. The worst thing about disability, I quote, the worst thing about disability is that people see it first before they see you. Excellent. You know, um, and, and basically based on what you've just seen or heard from yourself, epitomizes this particular uh, a quote. But my assessment of how, based on the kind of anecdotes that you're sharing, and you know what's very interesting to what you've said, let me interject to you, is that it, Prabhupada Bakuloi have always been the first one to say, people think because we're blind, we are incapable. Mm-hmm. The only difference is that we can't see, but we can do anything else that everybody with ability can do. And probably even surpass some of the things that, uh, you know, able people could do. No, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you've just pointed out that uh, he has won several awards. I mean, he's been a solo art- artist. And back in the day when uh, life, it was tough. But those boundaries, um, his visual impairment were not boundaries. And he, he actually had to dig deep and look at them as pockets of excellence, which you and I don't have. And, and we, celebrate, we celebrate him today because of that. You know, when I sit with, when I sit with Propopsy, you know, okay, which was quite often lately, I just marvel and look at what he has achieved, in particular when I look at what he has done for his children, you know, something that most people, uh, abled people, have not been able to attain. And I'm quite grateful that his children have recognized the role that their father played in terms of providing them the best education ever, you know, such that they are all independent young, young females and so on. So coming to talk about Propopsy for me is I can only speak with pride. You know, I feel it's a privilege for me to have been associated with that with that type of a human being who has resilience and you know talent that many of us could have wished for. At his age, I sit with him and when he hears music he sings, he sounds like another twenty five year old that I've just discovered. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's amazing. Perhaps maybe one of the issues that we will piggyback on after this commercial, it is the issue around the defining moments, because life have defining moments. Uh, your encounter with him, what would those, those uh, defining moments would be before we get to the legacy project, if you like, yes. that, you about, that you're about to embark on. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. 
It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. This is Beyond Governance. My name is Merton Ben. I'm in the company of a legend. I'm in a company of um, a well-known figure in this country and globally. How I wish some of these issues, your prominence, came after apartheid for you would have been far greater than you are now. But be that, <laughs> but be that it is me. Um, maybe apartheid may be a, a different, stronger person. <laughs> Well, I probably would not have been the same had I not lived through the struggles of that year. There's wisdom right there. You know, that's a, a man's class who's always full or not empty. <laughs> having to look at positive things amidst all the chaos that you went through. But having said that, I mean, it, it's quite um, profound that you noted him or you know him as a grounded individual who has been able to achieve a lot of things as an artist and as well as a family man. And that is worthy of celebrating. And it's not something that we can take for granted. I mean, you know, I've gone on record that he has beautiful, beautiful kids who are now adults, I would imagine. Yes. And who have achieved in their own right. In their own right. He has set that kind of an exemplar, which most able men and women can only be at all. And it's something that we definitely need to, to celebrate. But coming back to the legacy project that you're currently working on with the Johannesburg Theatre. Take us through the thinking and what to expect from that. You know, earlier on, before we ended, you asked me about the, the most important thing in people's lives, the defining moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the defining moment for us, I would say for us, because that would also include some of my colleagues like Selby, Julie, mm-hmm. Monty and Alec as young musicians out of high school. Mm-hmm was during an era of the birth of Soweto Soul Music. Soweto Soul Music would have included bands like, strange enough, you know, the irony of all of it all is that the Flaming Souls were part of Soweto Soul Music, but they came from Alexander Township. Mm-hmm. And we had a group called the In-Laws, the TNTs, the Anchors, the Teenage Lovers, the Young Ones, the Young Lovers, you know, that's the end, the endless list of musicians who, who had created an, a, a, a genre during an era, you know, which became popularly known as Soldier Soul Music. That's when our interaction as groups and in a competitive space, along with the other musicians that are brought in, but our closeness with with the old randos was even much deeper because at the end of it all we formed an organization which called we, we called ABI, the first black economic empowerment group that came through music. <laughs> the beaters, the old runners, the beaters and the in-laws. Oh ABI. <laughs> ABI. Yes. And we would tour together, we'd fill up venues together, we would make money together, we'd find lovers together, mm-hmm. you know, we'd found, we'd stay in homes together, we would share everything according, and uh, maybe at the time it was not even considered and looked at as black economic empowerment, mm-hmm. but, you know, as that unit, 
we realized as a collective we could achieve better. That was a defining moment for us in meeting these wonderful musicians like Brabapsi. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And how I wish, perhaps maybe as we proceed, we'll get to know how those pockets of excellence, if you like, can be replicated in the, in the current uh, environment, which is obviously highly competitive. Yes. So I doesn't mean you were not competitive back then, yes. uh, but it, obviously a lot of things have changed. There's issues around intellectual property, and there's issues about commercialization of, of business, because yes. music is business. It's not just Absolutely. performing. You know, yes. There's a big yes. business uh, rationale behind in as much as you entertain people. But having said that, as we proceed with our conversation, you have obviously have this collaboration or partnership with the Johannesburg, the city of Johannesburg, yeah. and the Johannesburg Theatre. Yeah, Johannesburg Theatre management through Polisa. She's she's been an incredible human being. You know, this there's one person within within the arts sector who I personally believe has been central to the acknowledgement yeah. of the the role that the artists and the legends have played. In advancing South African music, I think she'll always be the first one that would have, you know, advocated for this kind of uh, legacy celebration. Mm -hmm. If I look at someone like Gibson Kenter, for instance, she she pursued that, and last year, before we did this, she commissioned me to put up a concert of celebrating legends, Mm -hmm. and that in itself should be applauded because. At times, people would only be interested in how commercial, yeah. you know, commercialization of the product is yeah. without considering those who had made yeah. the initial and created the foundation for yeah. the present to advance through what they see. Even for and when she commissioned me again to work with Babsi, you know, I was thrilled because I think at the back of their minds, especially at this some of the members of the city council mm-hmm. and uh, and the Joburg Theatre, is the understanding, the experience of my interaction and the knowledge of the music of the era of Rapapsi. Mm-hmm. So that way they were able to call me and say, look, we want to celebrate Rapapsi. And we know that you are probably in a better space mm-hmm. to talk about who Babsi Langen was. Yes, I, I may have been probably the only person to speak of, but I, I, I also believe that there are other people that would have even made a, a, a an immense contribution to understand how this great mm-hmm. blind South African mm-hmm. musician had managed to scale the heights that most of the musicians and able people mm-hmm. had not been able to scale. That's quite incredible to hear um, the acknowledgement of people with foresight. Yes. Because when you, when you mention Polisha, what comes to mind based on the kinds of insights and the kind of venture that she invoked in you to partner and perhaps maybe further the tradition of acknowledging uh, the forebearers, it, it's quite incredible because it does say in the arts and the arts fraternity, it's not as bad as we used to think. You know, going to school, get a better job. <laughs> 
That's what our parents would say. You know, go and get a job. Are you working on? <laughs> you know, talking of, of good leadership. I mean, surely you know the stuff of that that flag that illuminates uh, at night amidst poverty of of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. For, for me, that was like an insult, and because I've spoken to a lot of artists, but how is it possible that we are in this space of recovery? When COVID has hit, most of the artists were found wanting because there were no opportunity. And here we are, spend uh, that kind of money on a flag that illuminated nights. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. So I'm quite happy. I mean, I, you know, when you mention people like Latonisha, it's, it's quite heartwarming yes. that we do have thoughtful, altruistic individuals such as her. Yes. And, and she had obviously commissioned you to partner and so take us through the theme for this um, uh, legacy project. Who's going to be involved? I think someone like James uh, should not be should be considered as also part of an important mm-hmm. element of this development. You know, when he also came and said he was he had been advised by Alisa to approach me. James is a producer. Mm-hmm. She understands well how to navigate performance. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, James. I'm a musician, and uh, what I like about James is that there's serious consideration for how we, we the older generation, bring along the younger people. And he's always had Sepon Goma, who's a brilliant violinist, and he's a son to the late Slomila Kumano, to, for us to work together in advance listened in advance to Bapapsi's music. And I think Tepo has done an exceptional job in, you know, working with me to to evolve the music, mm-hmm. bringing some of the younger people mm-hmm. who probably may not even have mm-hmm. heard Bapsi. They probably know of him, but mm-hmm. if when you say, do you know mm-hmm. his music, they will tell you about Sipo Mabusi's burnout. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And say, perhaps it's important that we start bringing in young people to advance, you know, music of some people who had made serious contributions, like Rah- mm-hmm. what Rahu used to do. Mm-hmm. Rahu, you know, you know, may his soul is rest in peace. He would take some of Manhattan Brothers' music mm-hmm. that many young people did not even aware that a foundation was created by such people. So Rapapsi falls within that mindset mm-hmm. of us ensuring mm-hmm. that we take their legacies mm-hmm. in going beyond just ourselves and young people being able to say, oh, this is how music was played and this is how we can make it sound new. Absolutely. Yeah. I like the idea of being deliberate in blending the old and the new. You know, a practical example that you've made that this temple and there's also folks that used to work with Brahu coming together so that there is that institutional memory transfer. Yes. Which is quite critical. Absolutely. So based on my assessment of the legacy project that is underway, it is also an attempt to, you know, to transfer skills mm. uh, while we're still celebrating, Absolutely. Um, you know, the legend um, in the form of Option Langen. What's also inspiring about all this is for the young people who have embraced the music. Mm. You know, they've been deliberate in terms of how they they've embraced the music and worked with it because you see the joy in the rehearsals, in the practice mm-hmm. as they start singing the music and how we, 
you know, we navigate mm. the old and bringing in the new approach mm. to the music. That's the pleasantness mm. when you get young guys like Brian Timber, mm. you get uh, Langa Mavuso, mm. you know, brilliant mm. young singers, mm. ordinarily would be considered gospel singers. Mm. They've embraced this music and they start singing and they perform it like it's the music that they've lived through. And yet it's music that they've never been exposed to. So they have taken this music and given it a new list of life and probably working it such that it, it's, it's totally riveting. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and one of the things that perhaps maybe you could just shed light on and this part of being deliberate and working with young generation in the music uh, fraternity. And I've picked up at some point that he used to work with the likes of Jonina and his influence, the likes of, um, Brenda and so on and so forth. Your value proposition based on, on, on the kind of deliberate, you know, arrangements working with young folks, you know, so that they can learn from you and, and, Younger generation musician and art in its manifestation keen to, to learn one and understand that you can't just put someone in a microwave. In five seconds, you got past or whatever it is. Yes. There's a long haul. There's a long haul. Yes. What is the current thinking among the youth, you know, given uh, who are in this couple of space, given um, the kind of challenges and, and pressures they experience? In life generally, because I tell you why I'm raising this issue, because those who will be attending the legacy project, the performance, they have to understand that people like yourself, you've spent decades to be where you are. They have to have one has to have a long haul. You have to go through trials and tribulation for you to become a craft uh, or to display the craftsmanship the same way that Papsi has also done. What is the thing amongst the current generation of arts and musicians based on, you know, Nimrod, I always, uh, I will always be the first one to say it's critical for us to allow young people space to find themselves. I will be averse to us considering ourselves custodians of what is right. Because we look at how we have evolved from how music transformed itself and evolved throughout the years. So again, we would be doing a disservice if would you not engage young people and say, okay, you may encounter challenges in the music industry because of certain limitations that you place upon yourself. Mm -hmm. However, it's not an imposition from us. It's merely a guidance, the decision for them to embrace and advance within themselves what we are doing is very critical, you know, and uh, we, thankfully for me, I've been in a space where Young people have looked to me to say, Brasipo, this is what we're doing. How can you assist? Assist rather than, you know. So I apply my own experience mm-hmm. and say, look, this is what I've gone through. This is what I think you, you could do. But again, I'm not trying to say what I did was correct. Mm-hmm. You know, you yes. have found your space. You have found your own world. Roll with it. However, do not discard what could be helpful in the long run. You couldn't have said it better. You couldn't have said it better. Allowing young people's space. Yes. And I think that's what I'm picking up. In the same space, um, engaging with them for, you know, for them to find their own mistakes. Yes. Because that will strengthen uh, their resilience uh, moving forward. But coming back to what to expect with this legacy project. 
how many days will it be? How far are we in the production? The kind of issues, because obviously I'm excited. I want to be one of those people. Right. You know, I grew up listening to his music in the seventies and eighties, you know, and when James told me about it and I, I remember a night before I went to my YouTube and started listening to those music because I could only recall my mom. Right. And, you know, I find that quite interesting that you say you can recall your mom because everyone that I've played it to, the ex- just the excitement and that it's so Oh, how our mothers used to get excited and, you know, f- fell in love with each other through this music. You know, that's how much influence Rapapsi's music has had on me. You know, and probably if one has to say, Propopsis music has made so many babies out. <laughs> out there than any other music. I could have been one of them. Remember. I could have been one of the babies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely, absolutely indeed. Um, but one of the things that you've mentioned, which, which is quite intriguing, uh, perhaps maybe we'll just explore it a bit more after the break, is his ability to curate music across different vernacular languages. I find that astonishing. That's that is. Yes. So let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Time flies when you're having fun, hey? I know. I'm in a company of the great legend, um, and we are deliberating on the impending legacy project, which uh, he's involved with um, in, in celebrating the deeds, the good deeds of uh, Babsim Langeni, whom we have had a privilege of listening to his music uh, during the dark times when we didn't have TVs, you know, all you could, you know, those small radios, when you used to fill stadiums, when you used to fill halls, just to listen. Back at that time, they would travel in combis. <laughs> Lord, he could, Lord, he could have the post. Yes. You know, so before we took that break, one thing that I found very intriguing and, and profoundly genius is his ability to create music in different languages. And you would, you'd think he had, you could almost like he was a linguistic individual, if there's anything like that. Your, your take. You know, Sometimes I've always emphasized that education, you know, education, it's a very, creates a very thin line to intelligence. And, uh, Rapapsi, in my view, had education and the advantage of being able to interact with many people. I mean, he works in a telephone, uh, you know, blind people, the only way they could do was to work with telephone exchanges and, and I'd like to believe that in in that work they would be working with all different languages. But with all what apartheid was trying to do, it unfortunately missed the point that by separating us it was actually bringing us even more together because uh, you know once 
you know, with music, you can't say, you couldn't say, Brakoreki Musuru, so you can't perform with Musuru. You couldn't say, Makhavate as Mubedi could not be. You said, so you found people engaging, coming with all the diff, coming from all different ethnic groups, you know, and engaging in conversation and discussion, whether it be musical or political, in all different languages. And I think that was the advantage that Brabapsi found himself, having to work with someone like Mm -hmm. Raguloi, having to work with someone like Matabata, Moscow. Mm -hmm. So language never became a problem, you see. Language never became a problem for us. You know, apartheid never defeated us. We actually defeated apartheid because today when you listen to young people, they can hardly speak any other language other than the one that they know. Mm-hmm. We speak Africans. We speak Sesotho. I was said that I had an interview with Kwekwesi. Uh, you know, yes, I struggled a bit to actually pronounce certain mm-hmm. words in in in, in, in But the advantage of interacting within ourselves mm-hmm. as a people at that time and through our music enabled us to be in a similar position that you thought you're mm-hmm. talking about, that perhaps she was able to write and sing in all languages, mm-hmm. you know. And I think this is something that was very unusual as well. Talking of his music, what would you say that's your favorite song? I will always love Salah Emma. Salah Emma. Salah Emma. You know, that that song, I knew all the other songs, but Salah Emma had a special meaning for someone that you'd end up marrying. Mm-hmm. So it was real. It was about someone that he fell in love with and managed to write this beautiful song for the woman. And to date... It still remains a classic for me. Well, I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I love it as well. Yeah. Uh, my conversation with, um, with, with James, we concluded to on the same point. And it's one of the songs that I listened to while I was in bed, you know, trying to say, okay, here, here I am. I've got an opportunity to speak to, you know, Bra, 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 uh, on this, about this intelligent and, uh, God given, you know, uh, individual to us. And one of the songs that, that, that I really like, it is that, you know, and I listen to it. It's just an amazing, amazing song. You know, a few years ago, I invited him. I've always been in love with Prabhupada. I've always been in love with his music. I invited him for us to do a concert in the township, including Sis Abigail. Mm-hmm. You know, Prabhupada create an indelible, you know, mark, you know, to me because he did something that I never imagined he would do. He played a guitar on that day mm. and sang Salah M. That remains one of the profound moments and defining moments for me to say you are bigger than what you think, Prabhupada. My goodness, that's that's so heartwarming. It's so heartwarming and coming from a legend to another legend. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of us still, who are still wet beyond our ears, in, in musically speaking, um, and, and just appreciation uh, of each other and, and being allowed to express our views of gratitude 
Um, you know, despite the, the chaos that we go through, yeah. it is just an amazing and an amazing experience. And I'm, I'm hopeful and, and I, I can almost speak with conviction that the legacy project is going to be a success. That's the reason I actually had to buy myself a guitar mm. because I want Prabhupada to play it. Despite him saying, man, I haven't played guitar. Mm. I said, Prabhupada, I know you cannot see. Mm. I can speak for you. Mm. The experience of watching you play that guitar and singing Sava Emma remains to me, you know, so profound that it is probably the best thing that you've ever done musically, having known me all these years. And if it pushes me to go and buy a guitar because I want you to play it at that show mm-hmm. and be on that stage mm-hmm. alone mm-hmm. and sing Salah Emma, you will tell me when after the show what the audience had said. Standing ovation, standing ovation. I can almost close my eyes and picture that. For me, that would be the, the curtain call. It's amazing how uh, time flies when we're really having fun. We are gravitating to a state of the show. <laughs> and how I wish we could have more time. Um, and it's, it's, it's an amazing. But anyway, let's take a, a commercial break. We'll come back in a second as we close up. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Hey, welcome back. Uh, this is uh, Beyond Governance. Uh, my name is Nimrod Tembele. If you've just joined us, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, you really missed a incredible conversation that I'm having with uh, Sipo Hostik Mabuse. This for me is one of the defining moments, you know, in life. Sitting here next to you, you know, reminiscing about the good olden days based on what you've gone through as musicians and being able to plow back you know, you know, the opportunity that you've been granted by the likes of, of, uh, and James and other critical players. You want to plow back into the society by recognizing and exalting the name of Bob Simlangen. It's incredible. And you're celebrating while he's alive. While he's still alive. And I must also be thankful to the young Joe Nina also, mm. because Joe Nina, his role cannot be underestimated as to how much he, you know, he, Rapapsi's flame alive. Would it just perhaps me unpack that a little bit more because that's fascinating? Yeah, because Joe Nina, as a young composer and mm. producer, was able to bring in the likes of Rapapsi and Steve mm. on his tours mm. and sing some of, of their music, you know, and record them. So, in my view, that was to keep their flames alive, you know. You know, I've always maintained that. There are certain people who, when the cold wind blows, mm. they will keep their fires burning. Joe Nina was one of those people that did it for Brapapsi and Steve. So I, I want to celebrate him as well and be thankful to him for having done that, you know. And Brapapsi's star shines beyond, you know, limits. 
absolutely incredible, incredible. I mean, kudos to him. I mean, and I suppose when we celebrate him and pay homage to the role that is played in keeping Prabhupada's flame uh, lit, uh, it is also recognizing him as a star. And we, we can all hope that he's also will have other emerging artists who recognize the value that he's has done right. and also taken upon themselves, you know, to, you know, to, to, to have his star shining brighter. Absolutely. Beyond, beyond comprehension. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it here. Your parting shot, uh, your parting shot. My parting shot is that those who are listening to the show, if you miss out on this, then you'll have missed out on what Ray Charles would have made you proud of. Bob Simlangini is the real deal. Real deal in it. And the last point, when are we expecting this to be to be to be live? The, the live gig is on the fifth of August and the sixth. Fifth of August and the fifth and the sixth of August. Yes, of August. Okay. And we would love as many people to come and experience the work that has been put through by all the musicians who you know who have benefited from this exercise anyway. Count me in. I'll definitely be among those. I'll bring as many people as possible. I'll, I'll be watching me. If it means a sponsor and a few tickets, so be it. So be it. Because it's, it's an honor to be present and, and appreciate the work that is done to in relieving some of the burden. Because music has that ability. Yes. To, to lift the spirit. I know he has lifted so many spirits. My spirit has always been lifted. Right. Anyway, we're going to have to call it uh, quits from here and. Um, it has been absolutely beautiful privilege to have this an amazing moment with one of our own Prasipo Hostik Mabuse. Let's do this again. Shalom. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.